0: The two live show. Now, when they say one for all and all for one, this is exactly what they mean right here. Everybody need to take notes on this and just know that it looks so much better when you're sticking together.
1: Amigos, get about this motherfucker. Y'all got him fucked up. Look <laughs> They sent a couple of them home. They all packed they shit up and shut this motherfucker down. Nigga, who y'all think y'all playing with? Mexico, man, this is what black people need to be on, man. I swear to God, I love this shit. They are packing they shit up and shutting this motherfucker, huh? Uh, Oh, my mama, all that shit. (laughs) They are not bullshitting. They packed up, yeah, I see, it's over. Them motherfuckers now packed up and dipped. They thought they was going to play with these amigos, and they said, oh, yeah, we rise together, homie. And they leaving. And they not bossing. Take this in, man. Look at this, man. They shut this big motherfucker down today, man. We all going home, man. The S.A.'s. Look, ain't no grinding, cutting, welding. This motherfucker dead-ass quiet. The Mexicans shut this motherfucker down, nigga. Said, fuck you, bitch. And Willie really, and Billy, really, see this is what I'm talking about, baby. I swear to God, they got me keep up. Oh my Malcolm X, shit. Oh my mama, nigga. Fuck the bullshit, nigga. Look at this. They shut this bitch down. They pissed them off, nigga. They said, fuck you, we out. We not working no more today. Kiss my ass, nigga. I'll let y'all tomorrow. Oh, my mama. That's great. Look, ain't nobody here. We're just cleaning up. We're going home. It's over, i right with the ass, nigga. Fuck it. Go to the crib. Go to the, go to the casa. Hasta luego, mía. Muy bien. you swear to God, these motherfuckers want to play hey. a You
2: want to get lost?
3: Come all you poor workers, good news to you. I'll tell how the good old union has come in here to dwell which side are you on which side are you on we're starting our good battle we know we're sure to win because we've got the gun thugs a-looking very thin which side are you on which side are you on If you go to Harlan County, there is no neutral there. You'll either be a union man or a thug for J.H. Blair. Which side are you on? Which side are you on?
4: From all of you good workers, good news to you I'll tell. Of how the good old union has come in here to dwell. Which
5: side are you on? Which side are you on?
4: My daddy was a miner and I'm a miner's son. And I'll stick with the union till every battle's won. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? either be a union man or a thug for J.H. Blair. Which side are you on? Which side are you on? Oh, workers, can you stand it? Oh, tell me how you can. Will you be a lousy scab or will you be a man?
6: Which side are you on?
4: Which side are you Don't scab for the bosses, don't listen to their lies. Us poor folks haven't got a chance unless we organize. Which side are you on? Which side are you
5: on? Which side are you on? on?
7: 10 years dead, I never died, I never died, says he.
8: Is uh, Joan Baez. And this is Labor and Love. We're just about right on Labor Day, So we've got a show for you today that in talks about the history of the California labor movement. Labor Day, values, Day how did Labor Day start? What is the oh truth about What does Labor Day celebrate? Observed the first Monday in September, Labor Day is an annual celebration of the social and economic achievements American workers. Okay, that holiday is rooted in the late 19th century when labor activists pushed for a federal holiday. Recognize the many contributions workers have made. Who else has contributed as much as workers? Workers built this country, built this quote unquote economy. People are always ready to point out that. All the bosses, work could go on, perhaps better, perhaps more efficient. All the workers were to decide. Strikes happen. Manager, vice president, supervisor. Take over the running of the company. It doesn't work. Doesn't work at all. All right. Let's check our mic here. Our microphone. Hello, testing. Speak up a little. Okay, what about Labor Day? Before it was a federal holiday, before it was a federal holiday, Labor Day was recognized by labor activists in individual states. After municipal ordinances were passed in 1885 and 1886, a movement developed a secure state. New York was the first state to introduce a bill, but Oregon was the first to pass a law recognizing Labor Day on February 21st, 1887. During 1887, four more states, Colorado, Massachusetts, New Jersey, and New York, passed laws creating a Labor Day holiday. By the end of the decade, Connecticut, Nebraska, and Pennsylvania had followed suit. By 1894, 23 more states had adopted the holiday. And on June 28, 1894, Congress passed an act making the first Monday in September each year a legal holiday. OK. That's sort of a neutral kind of presentation. Of course, it doesn't talk about the reasons for a Labor Day holiday, wha- why Congress and the president at the time, Grover Cleveland, decided that it was necessary to have a holiday, a Labor Day holiday. And the reason was, one main reason, was a huge uprising of workers all over the country in 1877 called the Great Upheaval as workers went on strike and stopped trains from running all over the country. New Orleans, San Francisco, Philadelphia, soldiers unwilling to shoot into the crowd. and there was a huge battles of the Pullman strike in the 1890s. but more than anything was about the Haymarket affair 1886. May 6th, there was a rally in Haymarket Square in Chicago as workers pressed for an eight-hour day. The rally was pretty much over by the time police arrived, but instead of waiting, police fired into the crowd. People were killed, and eventually eight workers... Organizers were arrested, even though two of them hadn't been there. And four of them were hanged, some were pardoned by a governor named John Peter Altkill. But all over the world, sympathy for these eight people spread. There was an international movement to save their lives all over the, the world people celebrated these people on May 1st May Day that's the origin of May Day not from Russia or other countries it's US US made in the USA so even though these campaigns were fall were failures in the sense some of the market. people were killed. Holiday, May 1st, again, all over the world now, people celebrate Workers' Day on May 1st. But why don't we celebrate it in the U.S. on that day? Who knows? Well, we know. The reason was, U.S. Congress, the U.S. ruling class was very uncomfortable having workers in the U.S. celebrate May Day together with workers all over the world. So they decided to make a holiday. It was obvious they had to make a holiday. Over Cleveland wanted to get the Democratic vote, wanted to get the workers voting for first Labor Day holiday was celebrated on Tuesday, September 5th, 1882, New York City in accordance with the plans of the central... Labor in 1994, Grover Cleveland signed the law, making the first Monday in September of each year a national holiday. And of course, it had to do with pressure from workers. Whenever workers unite, organize effectively, they get results. The result was
0: Labor Day.
8: All right, how about 15 things you didn't know about unions?
9: For some time, we like to look at things from different perspectives. And of course, this applies to the world of work. As much as we encourage you to follow your dreams and create your empire, we simply can't forget those who work within an association to keep the gear soiled every day. Workers are entitled to inalienable rights, which are defended and protected in the first place by labor unions. So, let's find out some more about these often controversial associations. Number 1. Unions and unionists were outlawed until the late 19th century. Labor unions have existed for centuries, but only became legally accepted in the 1800s. Before trying to unionize to get better working conditions could easily be sent to jail. As the saying goes, there's strength in numbers and employers were terrified by that. It took almost 150 years before unions were made legal, but nowadays some would rather they were still banned, which brings us to number 2. Amazon would prefer unions to still be outlawed. Amazon is doing its who want to join a union a hard time. In Alabama, employees are trying to create what would be the first Amazon labor union in the U.S. The firm has responded with strong anti-union propaganda. Jeff Bezos apparently scolded his executives in his farewell letter, reminding them that a company is nothing without its workers. Given that Bezos is leaving the company though, it kind of feels a bit like passing the buck. Number 3 Anna Wintour's house was picketed About 100 people from Conde Nast publications protested in front of Anna Wintour's house in New York. At the cry of, Bosses wear Prada, workers get nada. Protesters chose Wintour as a symbol of their two-year-long contract negotiations with Conde Nast. They demanded fair pay, more job security, and better work-life balance. Wintour herself wasn't spotted, but her neighbors were seen handing out drinks to picketers. Number 4. Novak Djokovic tried to start his own union Even high-paid athletes seem to have some complaints. In the summer of 2020 Novak Djokovic and a group of tennis players started the Professional Tennis Players Association. Taking the NBA as reference, the new group wanted to make sure top players can make a viable living. No Alexers, you're not the only ones to think it's a bit of a tantrum. High profile figures like Roger Federer and Rafael Nadal chose not to support the PTPA. Also, women aren't that represented. Number five, right to unionize versus right to private property. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled in favor of a Californian packing company, reversing a decades-old state regulation that allowed unions to access farm property in order to organize workers, as long as they gave the company a heads-up and visited during non-working hours. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled in favor of farmers, saying it was a violation of their constitutional rights. Private property is private property. Growers argue that, with today's technology, farm workers can be reached by digital means. The workers' union disagrees, saying that these people are far less likely to have access to the internet and have a smartphone, let alone be using it. Number six Facebook From best place to nightmare. Even the most innovative companies are seeing a rise in union activity. Facebook went from being one of the best places to work to a downright nightmare for anyone trying to improve the workers' conditions. Subcontracted cafeteria workers have voted to unionize at Facebook, where they were punished by their direct employer for that decision. And this is not the only high-tech company not really liking having to deal with unions, as you'll see in… Number 7. Challenging the massive power of Google After the death of George Floyd, a Google engineer sent an email to colleagues to raise funds. Soon after, she was summoned into a meeting with Google's human relations department. They were not happy with what she had done. This engineer and a few colleagues felt this to be a limitation of their freedom of thought and decided to form a labor union. They called it the Alphabet Workers Union. In their mission statement, they declared to fight not only for workers' rights, but also to ensure their company acts ethically. Number 8. Managers tend to withhold good news to preserve their bargaining power. Employers have learned to use subtle psychological techniques in order to not lose power over their employees. Apparently, workers are much more likely to leave the reins in the hands of their employers when things are going poorly. They trust and rely on the entrepreneurial skills of those who hired them and even are willing to give up a part of their power to ensure that things get better. Often, however, the employer reveals the real and much rosier situation immediately after closing the deal in their favor, leaving the unions with a handful of flies. Number 9. Non union workers lost more jobs than union workers in 2020. As they say, United we stand, and it's been proven during these months of the pandemic. Workers who are part of a trade union had less difficulty in keeping their jobs than non-registered colleagues. The bargaining strength of the group protected its members. What can be achieved together can sometimes remain out of reach for a single individual who moves independently. Number 10. Colombia is the most dangerous country in the world for trade unionists. A study by the United Nations Development Program warned that Colombia is one of the world's countries with the worst rates concerning freedom of association and labor rights. With a record of more than 2,800 killings of trade unionists and members between 1984 and 2011, it takes a lot of courage to fight for workers' rights there. Even former President Barack Obama and the European Union tried to help improving the situation, reportedly, with very little result. Number 11. India's Siwa The Self-Employed Women's Association counts for an impressive 1.6 million participating women, making it the largest organization of informal workers in the world and the largest non-profit in India. The association promotes the rights of low-income, independently employed female workers, Since 1972, this union has supported independent Indian women entrepreneurs who take pride in being able to support their families with their own skills and strength. Number 12. There's a labor union even in the Vatican. It's the Association of Vatican Lay Workers and it's the sole trade union in Vatican City. One of their main battles concerned the right for pensions for Vatican workers, which wasn't contemplated until the 1990s. Well, apparently, even saints need someone to defend their rights. Number 13. Most Americans are pro-union but don't belong to one. Over half of Americans say they would vote for a union at work, but only 11% of US employees currently belong to one. This is mostly due to the fact that labor laws often remain stacked in favor of big business, making union battles often more lost causes. Recently, things seem to have changed, though. Which brings us to number 14: President Biden supports unions. President Biden tweeted, Every American deserves the dignity and respect that comes with the right to union organize and collectively bargain. The policy of our government is to encourage union organizing, and employers should ensure their workers have free and fair choice to join a union. This is the first time an American president has so clearly leaned in favor of labor unions. The road to a more worker friendly world seems a little bit smoother now. Number 15. Nelson Mandela largely based his politics on trade union principles. Nelson Mandela declared The kind of democracy that we all seek to build demands that we deepen and broaden the rights of all citizens. This includes a culture of workers' rights. Unlike so many leaders who rise to power with the support of organized labor, but then distance themselves from it, Mandela never broke that bond. He recognized the organization of workers as part of the freedom struggle and the formation of a just society. And with that Alexers, here we are at the end of our script. 15 things you didn't know about labor unions. We hope you enjoyed today's video and maybe learned something new, but before you go, you know we're holding on to a bonus for you. The largest trade union in the world is Chinese. It's perhaps no surprise the largest trade union in the world belongs to the country which more than any other is seeing its economy explode. The All-China Federation of Trade Unions counts for 302 million members and it's the country's sole legally mandated trade union. The International Trade Union Confederation maintains that the ACFTU is not an independent union due to its unconditional support of the Chinese Communist Party. However, activists within the ACFTU dispute the claim pointing to democratic elections and the presence of unions' representatives at the high levels in Chinese companies as proof of the independence of the union itself. Thanks for spending some time with us today, ALEXers. Please leave us a like.
8: All right, that was kind of our uh, glossy presentation about labor unions. All very well researched and reasoned. All very, very much well within the awareness of labor unions around the world. This, by the way, is a a, uh, website who want to be billionaires they think they should you know appreciate the people who do the work at any rate it is uh, very well fashioned we started out today with number 1 my beautiful one about hispanic workers walking off the job and the reaction of a guy who's taking, a worker who's taking pictures of it and how amazed he is and how happy he is and happy as we all should be when workers act collectively to make their lives better. In this case, they, the workers in this um, cutting factory, um, an area where things are received and packaged and then disseminated at, probably uh, for a company like uh, Amazon or something like that. But anyway, the, the workers objected to uh, uh, one of the managers who they said was abusing them, and they um, sent representatives to a higher-up. Higher-up fil- fired all the representatives, and so all the workers left. All the workers left. And like the guy who's on it who's saying, Judy Casa, you know. Oh, my Malcolm X stuff, you know. Workers acting together. Then we had the indomitable Florence Reese with her classic labor song, Which Side Are You On? As I always comment, this song was written while Company Goons in Harlan County, Kentucky, 1931, were going through her house trying to find her husband who was a union activist. So Florence Reese wrote this song, Which Side Are You On? And although it sounds a bit simplistic, sometimes that's what it refers to. that's, That's what comes down. That's how it comes down. Finally, you have to make a choice. Which side are you on? Are you on the side of labor or the side of capital? Who are you? And finally, Joan Baez at Woodstock in 1968, having the, the awareness to realize that this huge gathering of young people was about work. It was about labor. This was a labor movement. So she sang the labor classic Joe Hill written by Ralph Chaplin. Where working people organize. that's where you'll find Joe Hill. So we're going to get on now, let's see. about automation
10: I went down 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 to the factory early on a Monday morning when I got down to the factory it was lonely it was forlorn I couldn't find Joe Jack John or Jim nobody could I see Nothing but buttons and bells and lights all over the factory. Well, I walked, walked, walked into the foreman's office to find out what was what. I looked him in the eye and I said, what goes? This is the answer I got. His eyes turned red, then green and blue, and it suddenly dawned on me. There was a robot sitting in the seat where the foreman used to be. And I walked all around, all around, up and down, across that factory. I watched all the buttons and the bells and the lights, it was a mystery to me. I hollered Hank, Frank, Ike, Mike, Joe, Jack, Don, Dan, Roy, Ray, Ed, Fred, Pete. And a great big mechanical voice boomed out All your buddies are sorry. All your buddies are sorry. All your buddies are sorry. Well, I was scared, scared, scared I was worried, I was sick as I left that factory Decided that I had to see the president Of the whole darn company when I got up to his office, he was washing out the door with a scowl upon his face. For there was a great big mechanical executive sitting in the president's place. I went home, home, home to my ever-loving wife. I told her about the factory. She kissed me, she hugged me, she cried a little bit as she sat on my knee. Now I don't understand all the buttons and the bells But there's one thing I will say I thank the Lord that love's still made In the good old fashion
11: i mm-hmm. Richard I get po- kids go to parties wear fine clothes while mine wear mail order clothes that are paid for on time I've worked hard stayed honest and I've got
8: That's it. celebrating Labor Day, automation with Joe Glazer, this is going to become a major concern, as the Hollywood writers know. Artificial intelligence is the automation. and the point is that it can replace workers. Who knows? Artificial intelligence could write a pretty good story. Who knows? It doesn't matter. What matters to the bosses is they can find all different ways to cheap out. Images, ideas contained in Artificial intelligence to make films, to make shows, to make TV series cheaper than if it was done by people. So, what'll happen? Who knows? Automation, Joe Blazer. And then uh, Hazel Dickens, Wet of My Brow, and several. Comments in there about how it's a rich man's tool. Working is a rich man's tool. And last Donna Summer celebrating in, in pop stove. People who work, people who clean up, who make the beds, keep the hotels clean. Maids work hard for their money, so better Okay, now in celebration of Labor Day, I'm going to play "Golden Land's Working Hand." Golden Land's working hand, Golden Land's working hand. Golden Land's working hand is a production. California Federation of Teachers, Labor in the Schools. Committee. The bulk of all the work and the creative rust are the, the work of a man named Fred Glass. Just recently hired at City College. Glass in the late. realize that schools were not, even though teachers were organized, in a lot of cases unionized, were not talking union or talking labor in their classroom. They from doing so. In other cases, they're just loaded down with so much to do. So Glass, along with the help of other members of the committee, made a movie. Three hours long, cut up in segments of 15 or 20 minutes. And went around begging for money. Eventually raising enough money to. We're listening to the soundtrack today. And Golden Lands Working Hand is the history of the labor movement in California. So we're taking up the labor movement right after World War II. Now, this was a time when, after, th- after the 30s, all the prodigious organizing that had been going on that whole memory of all that when workers came back from World War II. World War II was a f- worldwide battle against fascism. So you hear people being described as Antifas. Well, the whole country was Antifa. And workers expected a better shake They expected to continue the work they'd been doing. But the ruling class quickly, very quickly, closed down those hopes. And the way they did it was by calling any kind of progressive movement communism, creeping communism, and linking labor leaders to Moscow. In most cases, a completely... Ridiculous connection in most cases. And in all cases, used as a weapon against labor unions and labor organizing. So let's listen up. Golden Lands Working Hands, disc two. Make yourself comfortable. Get a cup of coffee. Get a roll. Sit back and listen to your own history.
12: The <laughs> most labor unions have added responsibilities to new workers. Teaching new workers you about unionism takes time. That's hard to find. When this soon. With the wartime emergency over, many employers want to bring back the good old days of the anti-union open shop. <laughs>
5: That glorious
13: land above the sky Where your pie was contained You're gone dead You'll get high in the sky when you die
14: It was after the war and uh, I think we needed to get our share the industry had sure made theirs during the war and we were all uh, t- You had uh, wage and price controls, so uh, most of us we were locked into uh, into wages.
15: Wages have to be frozen, Joe. The workers are making too much money for their own good, and prices haven't risen very much. Have they, Joe?
12: In response to the boss's anti-labor offensive, working people launched the greatest wave of strikes in the United States history. Across the country, millions of workers walk picket lines shutting down entire industries. Many are World War II veterans, disturbed at their poor treatment after fighting for their country. In Hollywood, thousands of craft workers organized in the left-wing conference of studio unions, led by set painter Herb Sorrell, battled the studio bosses, the police, and another union. Roy Brewer, a leader of the International Association of Theatrical and Stage Employees, brings strikebreakers across the picket lines. He hopes his members will keep these jobs. Brewer claims his opponent Sorel is a communist and skillfully develops this idea into a publicity strategy for the studios. In an atmosphere of growing anti-communist hysteria, Brewer's tactic works well. The Conference of Studio Unions is soon broken up. Many of its members lose their jobs or have to switch unions to keep working. Along with prominent actors, writers, and directors, Sorrell is investigated and blacklisted. He never works in Hollywood again. Despite his troubles, Sorrell takes the time to send a message of support northward to AFL brothers and sisters involved in another struggle.
15: In Oakland, California, a general strike tied up the entire area. Bus and train service ceased to exist in a dispute characterized by Dave Beck, teamster leader in the Far West area, as a lot of foolishness, and more like a revolution than an industrial dispute. Meanwhile, the lives of nearly three-quarters of a million people
12: had been affected. Hold on. Did you understand what you just saw? I didn't. The perspective of the newsreel seems to be that these Oakland workers were doing something senseless. Using the same film footage, perhaps we could imagine another perspective something like this.
16: Owners of cons and Hastings department stores refused to recognize a union favored by their employees. Hundreds of clerks went out on strike. Police beat up picketers and helped the retail merchants association bring goods across picket lines. Outraged Oakland unionists called a general strike. For two days Oakland stood still until owners and the city agreed to negotiate with workers representatives.
12: Okay. We've heard two different sets of facts. The newsreel selected some, we selected others. But each version of the story is missing something. Perhaps the striking workers themselves should be heard from. I was working in the shoe department, and I was making,
17: uh, I believe, uh, $28 a week at that time, and, uh, you know, just getting out of the service.
18: The only problem was that when I found, after talking to other people in in specialty stores, such as Peter Brothers and and Cushions, uh, they were making Ten dollars or better a week better than I was. And I went to the union and uh, asked why they didn't organize the store.
15: These people came on back, and I mean, you know, my uh, brother Americans, uh, and and also the gals that came back from the war. And, And when they held out their hand for just a little piece of pie, the answer
12: was no. One employer whose voice says no the loudest is Joseph Noland, publisher of the Oakland Tribune and longtime spokesman for conservative business interests his newspaper labels moderate Unionists extreme elements and warns of an impending communist takeover of Oakland
15: Nolan dominated the uh, politics in Oakland and he had the the Tribune which was his voice and uh, everyone felt that all the decisions for the city were made at the Tribune Tower not at City Hall
3: very very conservative very anti-union His paper was something that we got every day to read and then got mad about.
12: (laughs) Along with Noland, another major anti-union force in Oakland is the Retail Merchants Association. It demands that the Retail Clerks Union organize all 28 stores in the association before it will recognize the union at cons and Hastings. What precipitated
17: the strike was the firing of one of the people who had joined the union. One of the ladies um, who had joined and signed up with the union was fired. Originally, we had somewhere in the area between 70 and 80% of the workers came out. And I would say the same thing applied at Hastings. The women were
18: fantastic as far as uh, holding up and, and their sense of humor and, and, uh, and being on the picket line. I'd set the schedules up and they'd be there, rain or shine.
3: Well, it was like any picket line. Everybody walked up and down, carried signs and, and yelled, don't be a scab. <laughs> it was pretty effective. They were keeping most of the people out. People would come, see what was going on, and then turn away. But some went through.
18: And tempers would flare. Uh, but I think that the, the tempers that flared were not the pickets, but the people going through the line knowing in their own heart very probably that they were doing the wrong thing.
12: Despite a mostly peaceful picket line, feelings sometimes run high. Picket captain Gwendolyn Byfield calls a strikebreaker scab, and rat, she is arrested, but charges are dropped. After weeks go by without a settlement, the retail merchants' association and their friends in the Nolan political machine decide to take a different approach. We went back
15: over to, to pick a line. time I got back over there, like the uh, cops were are uh, pushing our people off
5: the street and uh, towing the automobiles away.
15: They beat us all out of the alleys. Uh, pushed us with those damn billy clubs. I was black and blue here for months The trucks followed right behind him went on in and unloaded then he went back to get more It wasn't bringing in strike breakers necessarily that started the general strike You know I thought about that a lot since that we'd seen strike breakers But the thing was using the police force that we were paying
3: taxes for to beat us off our own streets by morning everybody had heard about what had happened It was in the papers, the unions had heard, everybody was very upset and we all just went out on the streets.
14: There was a club down there called Slim Jenkins. We were working there four nights a week when we got the call from Alex Forbes, who was our secretary business agent, that there was a general strike and that if he had any musicians working in Oakland that they were to immediately leave their jobs. And which we did, we didn't go to work that weekend.
17: (laughs) Al Brown was the head of the carmen's local at that time. The streetcars were still running on Broadway. And he came down Broadway in his streetcar. And the police were out there and they had Broadway blocked off. And he came up to the blockade and the the cop said, it's all right, you can take your streetcar through. And he said, well, what's the deal? They told him what they were doing and he said, well, no, I've never crossed the picket line in my life and I'm not about to now. So he climbed out, he took the controls out of the streetcar, climbed out of the streetcar and that was it. That was the spark that started the whole thing at that particular time because every streetcar backed up behind him, they couldn't move his streetcar. He told the buses to stop and uh, they had an uh, emergency meeting and uh, for three days just about nothing turned in Alameda County.
15: Everybody was having a good time, but the crowd was good. Uh, nothing unruly. I didn't see any liquor. didn't see any, well, where, where could you buy it? It was a holiday move. It was a feeling of comradeship. It was the feeling that, well, we're all together in this thing, you know. And it was a good, warm, healthy feeling. It was more like what this country should be. Lay that pistol down, babe. Lay that pistol down.
12: When Sailors Union leader Harry Lunderberg delivers a fiery address to an overflow crowd at Oakland Auditorium, strike leader Bob Ash thinks that if he had asked the Assembly to march to City Hall, they'd have taken the place apart.
18: The biggest fear that we had during the general strike was we didn't want it to get out of hand. We wanted a peaceful demonstration, as peaceful as it could be. And really it was when you stop and think that there was only the one incident of the typewriter being thrown through the window at Hastings. Outside of that, nothing really happened.
12: We might ask one more question. How could a union leader, Teamster National Vice President Dave Beck, say the general strike was... A lot of foolishness and more like a revolution than an industrial dispute. The general strike committee, led by Bob Ash, brings the general strike to a hasty end when Beck orders Teamster members, who'd been solidly supportive of the strike, to go back to work.
15: Dave Beck, who are you talking about? You're talking about a man that made millions, went to prison and everything else. He never really represented these union the way it should be represented. The CIO notified us that if it went past Thursday, that they'd shut off lights and power. And I wanted to continue one more day and shut off the lights and power. Then we'd have the whole ball of wax.
12: But the AFL leadership was worried that intervention by militant CIO unions, representing 30,000 workers in Alameda County in utilities and heavy industry, would invite a negative public perception, since a number of communists and their sympathizers were prominent in the Northern California CIO Council. I think the old CIO,
18: Congress of Industrial Organizations, uh, had a little bit of a, a bad taint to it at that time. J. Edgar Hoover and a few others were witch hunting them and and uh, working on the communist tactics and the rest of it. And we tried to keep them away from the picket line as much as possible so that we wouldn't have that
12: sort of thing happening to us. Instead, the AFL strike committee accepts a verbal commitment from the city manager that Oakland police would no longer assist strike breaking. They end the general strike Thursday morning after 54 hours. The settlement leaves the retail clerk strike unresolved, which irritates many of their supporters including Elizabeth Mackin. She writes a letter to Kahn's department store.
16: It is against my principles to go through a picket line. I wish you to close out my account until you have a happier relationship with those who work for you.
12: Despite the obvious depth of community support for the clerks, Kahns and Hastings still refuse to recognize the union. Worse, the day after the general strike ends, police bring scabs through retail clerks' picket lines. Feeling betrayed, labor leaders threaten another general strike.
15: Wait, Joe! There's a better
4: way.
12: Recognizing the need for unity against the Nolan forces, the AFL, the CIO, the NAACP, and other progressive community groups formed the Oakland Voters League.
3: We had put together all the precinct maps and had these lists of people. We divided the precincts up into areas of 10 precincts.
19: I was
15: given a map of the precincts. I was given a list of names. I didn't know where they came from and said, go find people to cover the precincts a very interesting experience. This was in uh, West Oakland, an area of mixed black and white.
12: Building a bridge between the labor movement and minority communities, the OVL runs five candidates in the spring 1947 City Council election.
3: It all went off amazingly smoothly and was a wonderful victory when we won four out of the five candidates.
12: Although this leaves the Oakland Voters League one seat short of a majority on the nine-member council, labor's victory cracks the anti-union Nolan machine for the first time in decades, Oakland's working people have a political voice and can no longer be ignored. One result is that the week after the election, the Retail Merchants Association recognizes the Retail Clerks Union in all of its stores.
15: Whoever won before in Oakland, sure showed by the general strike, if you hang together, you can take anybody on.
3: It was a, a unique experience in my life to be involved in anything with such masses of people. I was really proud of the union members that came out. It it convinced me more than ever that the union union was the way to go for working people.
17: When you say, what did it do for people? I think it, it, it gave them a greater sense of power.
12: But not all California working people share in that sense of power. 1948, Hollywood unions make this film, Poverty in the Valley of Plenty. It is meant to educate the public about the plight of hundreds of striking farm workers at the Giorgio Fruit Corporation Ranch near Bakersfield. The corporation had kept the workers segregated by race in its eating and sleeping facilities. The National Farm Labor Union Local 218, AFL, led by Ernesto Galarza and Jimmy Price, had a different idea to bring all the farm workers together for union recognition and a $0.10 cent an hour wage increase.
4: We haven't a chance as individuals, but an organization will have strength. How many of you are with me? Aye. Aye. Aye.
12: One new member at a nearby farm is a young Chicano farm worker receiving his first union card. Banning out across the state, the farm workers gain wide support. Car caravans organized by the San Francisco and Los Angeles Labor Councils bring donated food and clothing. Most of the workers have to find other employment within a few months. For two years though, a core group of workers keeps the strike going with the help of the California Labor Federation and friends in the community. But the other side is organized too. Somebody
20: shot into the local meeting at Arvin uh, hit jimmy price he went down severely injured although not killed and no one was ever apprehended in that situation and and of course our people didn't feel very good about the sheriff and the and the, and the law enforcement
12: process although price survives the strike does not
21: the georgio's trucks are used to break picket lines bring in scabs and
12: strikebreakers. Oddly enough, this film, Poverty in the Valley of Plenty, ends matters. The DiGiorgio Corporation sues Local 218 for $2 million for libel. The union has no money to contest the case. It signs a settlement out of court agreeing that the film is libelous, that it will pay DiGiorgio $1 in damages, recall all copies of the film, and end the strike. The longest farm labor strike in American history is over, but while the farm workers lose this round, the seeds have been planted for later success.
19: Communism.
8: That was uh, Golden Land's Working Hands, Chapter Seven. Get back to that in a. Minute. Let's get back now to oh <coughs> that, That's that. <coughs> Buffy Saint Marie, not the loving kind. <coughs> Definitely not not workers, not loving workers. Springsteen with his song about factory working Me Lou, who came west with her boyfriend <laughs> to set the post office. Out, out it's alright. Returning now to our history of California labor, we covered last time the Oakland general strike and the forces within the nation. After World War II, how bosses and big corporations and the ruling class wanted to shut down all that radical leftover stuff from World War from the 30s, and the spirit, the wonderful spirit of togetherness that it took for people all over the world and in the US well to defeat fascism. Fascism showed up in a new way. ...a political party. It is a way of life. And Jed, Hoover. it
15: is a way of life. It reveals a condition akin to disease that spreads like an epidemic. And like an epidemic, a quarantine is necessary to keep it from infecting
0: this nation. Anti-communism was a union-busting tactic, in my view, which divided working people, which divided uh, unions, which divided union leadership, which weakened the union movement greatly.
21: men who built this house now let's move to California this is the El Dorado Rancho's development in Southern California these homes reflect the colorful West Coast trend
3: and we have shrubbery of course right along in here and oh darling it's going to be just perfect
16: we were living in a duplex and we had a car and a half (laughs) and uh, we were Able to raise three kids with, without my wife necessarily working, although she was working part of the, that time in those years also.
12: Thanks to a booming economy and the highest percentage of union membership ever, most California workers are carrying full lunch pails. I think by
21: going to work at Sears Roebuck and being in a union, then I first of all had control of my job and I could have some security.
5: These workers take home more in their paychecks, more with which to buy the products of America's expanding production. More foodstuffs, clothing, homes and home furnishings, appliances, farm equipment, automobiles, all of the things which go to make up our American standard of living.
21: But in addition to that, I could start looking at other cars.
15: Three weeks ago, we bought another Ford. The new low-priced, custom line Victoria. Isn't it stunning? Dave has it all to himself. And I now have the ranch wagon all to myself. It's a whole new
5: way of life.
12: In the midst of the unprecedented prosperity, some new words enter the political vocabulary. McCarthyism, red-baiting, HUAC, Cold War.
14: Of course, uh, then they uh, started that Cold War and the communists, they used that uh, House on american Activities Committee, they used that to smear people.
15: Communists have been, still are, and always will be a menace to freedom, to democratic ideals, to the worship of God and to America's way of life. Have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? I am framing my answer in the only way in which any American citizen can frame his. Then answer you denied. To a question then you his, absolutely invade. Then his you body. denied. Do, you you refuse to answer that question. Is that correct?
14: Down in Hollywood, uh, Jerry Fielding, he was the band leader, the musical director for the Groucho Marx show. Uh, two friends of mine, he hired them. They broke the color bar down there because you had a color bar where they were all white musicians. Two of my friends, Jerry Fielding, hired them. What happens? The House on American activities, they call him up before them. He lost his job with, uh, with the Groucho Marx show.
12: It isn't just Hollywood facing the anti-communist investigations. The federal government moves against immigrant labor leaders suspected of communist sympathies. It attempts to deport Longshoremen's Union president Harry Bridges four times in the 1940s and 50s. In the case of Luisa Moreno, Cannery Workers Union leader, it succeeds, returning her to Guatemala. Jewish immigrant Joe Springer, who rose from the sweatshops to become a leader in the Los Angeles Ladies Garment Workers Union, is blacklisted and driven from the garment industry. Its oldest boy is beaten in school for having a communist father. The anti-communist attack reaches down into the union rank and file, too.
16: I found that just an active, Having an activist orientation put me under suspicion of being a communist. I then began mm-hmm. suffering a good deal of unemployment, and it was time to move out of the area. I had no, no alternative.
22: I had read a book as a 10th grader by uh, Dalton Trumbo, and I went to hand the book report in, and the teacher told me that she couldn't take it. I had no clue why. I mean, this was, I guess, about
17: 1953. And then, whack! He found that books may have facts, ideas in them to help people get along together in this troubled world. So he went to work on the books. He went into the libraries and the schools, and he took the books he didn't like. He took those books and he made a big scrap heap, a great pile of books, and he danced around them
15: singing a song that went like this
4: to suppress the expression of truth in the
21: lesson. There's nothing so good as a book burning session. so
22: So the teacher made me promise that I would tell no one because she could get in a lot of trouble.
0: People were scared to death of being labeled communist and for good reason. People were being thrown in jail. They were being blacklisted.
12: Where did this Red Scare come from? Since the 1917 revolution, the Soviet Union had resented its system, which it called socialist, as an alternative to American capitalism. Although many labor activists did not consider the USSR to be socialist, since workers lacked democratic control over the system, tens of thousands of well-meaning people joined the American Communist Party in the 1930s and 40s, because it seemed to offer a solution for workers poorly treated by capitalism in crisis. After World War II, The international competition between the United States and the Soviet Union translates into something else at home. A former vice president of the United States warns, Inevitably, the Cold War
15: means a colder war against labor and progress in America.
12: The idealism of communist activists is now proposed to be equivalent to treason.
15: There is no doubt as to where a real communist loyalty rests. Their allegiance is to Russia, not the United
12: States." This Red Scare helps to pass the Taft-Hartley Act of 1947, which makes organizing tools such as mass picketing and secondary boycotts illegal and forces union leaders to sign an oath declaring they aren't communist.
11: I went through some pretty hard times within myself. You know, would I would I sign a loyalty oath if it meant my job.
12: In the prosperous 50s, relatively few working people get excited by an anti-capitalist message. Unlike in the 30s, the economic system seems to be working again. Communist influence in the labor movement, a force to be reckoned with for 20 years, is reduced to the margins. More importantly, the Red Scare casts a chill over all labor. Our
3: union was thrown out of the CIO and we were an independent Group for a period of three years. It
21: got people so they didn't really reach out like they should to help other people, and it became sort of a more of a
12: compartmentalized society. The communists are not the largest group of people left standing on the affluent society's doorstep. Government spending in the defense and aerospace industries, mainstays of the Cold War economy in Southern California keeps unemployment from sliding back to depression levels. Still, not everybody who wants a job can get one.
4: Uh, I'm John Q. Public. And what do you do? Nothing. What? I'm unemployed.
12: Impossible.
5: Nobody's unemployed. I haven't got a job. I've been laid off. You're a healthy soft spot. Like Secretary of the Treasury Humphrey said, a few soft spots are healthy. Congratulations. But
15: I haven't got a job.
16: There was not much visible poverty. Matter of fact, when I was uh, urged to Come to that area. I, I was told, time it's time to come to California, where everybody has a swimming pool. <laughs> everybody didn't have a swimming pool, but you couldn't see the kinds of ghetto poverty that you see that w- we we knew in New York City, and you you couldn't you couldn't see any great or obvious divisions among. Neighborhoods, unless you looked.
21: And while these walls will never need protective painting, they can be painted if the owner should ever desire a new color scheme.
14: You had uh, discrimination in housing. You'd go down, uh, you'd see an apartment for rent, a sign. You'd go there, they'd tell you, Well, I'm sorry, it's just been rented. A white couple would go right behind you, and they would rent.
22: I became um, a dropout. In high school because in the eighth grade I wanted to be a nurse which meant an academic course and the um, counselor a Mrs. Murphy called me in and, and asked me why had I filled out the form for, for, form for an academic um, course and I said because I wanted to be a nurse and she said what makes you think that anyone as bl- that anyone who's sick wants anyone as black as you to take care of them the uh, employment agencies were in cahoots with the employers and they even had a code system fifty three designated the jews so it would be no fifty threes and if they were talking about the negroes which is what we were were they were called then and are now called african-americans their number was ninety nines so they would indicate no ninety nines
14: i took a civil service test for elevator operator I went down, in civil service, I went down there and the lady that I was interviewing, oh you don't want this job. What do you mean I don't want this job? Well it was entry level uh, civil service. And at that time our city hall was lily white. You didn't even have a, a, a janitor or a shoeshine person in there. Nothing.
22: And even some of the unions not only were the employers but some of the unions, the plumbers unions for example, primarily nepotism. Uh, You could only get a job with some of these unions if you knew someone there.
16: My uncle got on the phone and asked if uh, if his nephew could get into the union and the answer was, why sure Sam, just so long as he ain't no nigger. We had an argument about that, and I didn't get into the local that day. <laughs>
5: the house I live in, the friends that I have found, the folks beyond the railroad and the people all around, the worker and the farmer, the sailor on the sea, the men who built this country, that's America me
0: After the war, when jobs became scarce, when the shipyards started to close down, the first to be laid off were African-American workers, Hispanic workers, and women. And therefore, feeling the impact economically, financially, of uh, having no work, having no prospect of work, and having only those skills that have become obsolete that uh... for shipbuilding uh... it raised the question of what we do now What are our employment prospects are we going to migrate back where we came from
12: when roosevelt's executive order 8802 expired at the end of world war two the california cio led an effort to put a permanent fair employment practices law on the ballot but Proposition 11 went down to defeat in the 1946 general election. As a result, the struggle for equal rights in the workplace became a long-term effort of the civil rights movement in California. Both the CIO
20: and the AFL supported this. They were, the money came from all kinds of unions. The State Federation of Labor was a major source. But I remember a couple of years we got big checks from carpenters, locals. you know, this was, this was a kind of broadly based effort.
22: I became active in fair employment practices because I had, was working for a labor union, a very liberal lab, labor union, the International Ladies' Garment Workers Union, and um, they emphasized the need to work in the community.
0: Laborers Local 300 was an organization uh, representing laborers, that is, those individuals who did work such as hard-carrying, ditch-digging, loading and unloading of boxcars. Local 300 felt that the FEP struggle was central to what they did.
22: The legislature met every two years, and every two years, a bill was introduced either by Gus Hawkins or, or Byron Runford, and each years was defeated. The um, community, the Mexican-American community, the Democratic Party, uh, the the black community, NAACP, Urban League, CSO, we all were working for it.
0: I remember very clearly the support given by Jewish workers to uh, the Fair fair Employment Practices uh, movement.
22: Funds for at CSO, I would say 50% of it at least came from the Jewish community. Um, you, you fight discrimination at every level, because if you don't fight discrimination at every level, at some point it's going to come to you too.
5: The house I live in, my neighbor's white and black. The people who just came here are from generations back. The town hall and the soapbox, the torch of liberty, a home for all God's children, that's America to me.
12: The state AFL and CIO federations set aside the jurisdictional disagreements and work with community groups to create local fair employment practice coalitions each year the local committees grow stronger. I uh, started
0: participating on weekends in something called the Fair Employment Practices Committee of Florence Avenue. This street was the dividing line between what is now called Watts and downtown Los Angeles. And uh, African-Americans lived south of Florence Avenue and hardly ever crossed it. And uh, They also could not get jobs on Florence Avenue. It was an all-white dividing line. I uh, did such things as picket. I uh, passed out leaflets. I discussed the issues with uh, people on the street. We were picketing the especially large commercial enterprises for the purpose of asking them to hire employees on a non-discriminatory basis. In
12: 1955, labor and community groups formed the California Committee for Fair Employment Practices. C.L. Dellums is a natural choice for statewide FEP chairman as a leader in both labor and civil rights organizations. And that was a
20: a logical thing uh, because C.L. was also head of the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters on the west coast.
12: As the coalition grows, the legislation moves steadily closer to becoming law. Forty to fifty organizations send representatives to meet each year in Stockton. Then Dellums would lead them to Sacramento to lobby for passage of the FEP law.
0: Those of us in the grassroots could not pass laws. We were not legislators. Those in the legislature could not or did not wish to, and it wasn't their style, or their function to get out on the streets and pass out leaflets.
12: So, therefore, we supported each other. Despite progress, by 1958, a Fair Employment Practices Act had still not passed, leading Dellums to note nobody ever believed in discrimination, so you wonder how it lasted so long and is still here. Then the FEP forces receive a hand from unexpected quarters.
15: Stop.
4: Never take medicine in the dark. It could be poison. And don't swallow this either.
12: United States Senator William Nolan, son of the anti-Union Oakland Tribune owner, announces his candidacy for California governor. At the center of his campaign, he places support for a right-to-work initiative, which would outlaw the union shop. Since passage in 1947 of the Taft-Hartley Act, 18 states, mostly in the South, had passed right-to-work laws.
22: It
11: sounds good, right to work. Oh, boy, you get a chance. You don't have to go to that union hall and pay them your money. You just go to the employer and say, here I am, and I want to
3: work.
21: They would say, you don't have to pay your dues. You don't have to pay dues, but you can still enjoy the rights of the union contract. And it's like me getting on the bus and paying for the bus and you getting on the bus
0: and riding free. I would have been very fearful if California had become a right-to-work state. I think it would have uh, uh, allowed uh, companies to pit white and black workers against each other by cutting and lowering the wage, having two-tiered at least, wages, one for black and one for white.
12: Union members worry about the outcome of the election for another reason. A few unions, including the Teamsters, are under government investigation for racketeering. When the Teamsters fail to satisfy an independent AFL-CIO demand to clean up their act, the Federation expels its largest affiliate. Newspapers feature the story on a daily basis. All unions seem tainted.
16: We know there's corruption in, in, in unions not nearly as much as there are, is in other areas of life but there are this is a society in which some of us some individuals are corrupt and they do nasty things but when they zero in on them as union officials and tar the unions with that image of corruption it made us fearful of our ability to beat proposition eighteen
12: working people mobilized in unprecedented numbers to repel the threat Cesar Chavez and the community services organization register hundreds of new voters in Oxnard, a scene replicated across California.
22: I opened the headquarters in, in our district. We would spot a good location. It was empty. We'd go see the landlord, the owner of the building, and get it for free. We'd get into our jeans and clean that headquarters out. We would make our own signs. Up until the deadline, we would use these headquarters to register voters also.
12: AFL and CIO unions raise money for a television advertising campaign.
15: Right to work would give no job security to anyone, but it would take union security from all. If you are a homemaker.
23: Right to work states have the lowest average wages, lowest purchasing power, and the lowest standard of living in the nation.
21: Here we have the average factory workers' weekly pay, this back in 1958, when it was 9722 in California in a right to work state 7465,
12: $23. The last weekend before the election, thousands of volunteer workers turned out to campaign door to door for fair employment practices, against right to work, and for Pat Brown for governor.
0: Naturally, uh, I was on the side of uh, Governor Brown who had promised something that we uh, held very dear, that is the Fair Employment Practices uh, Act. Those of us who had participated actively in the FEP campaigns in the grassroots uh, switched over our activities to uh, support of Governor Brown. Most of it was done out in the streets
21: and out ringing doorbells, telephoning, but... Actually there were probably more people out on that than uh, anything that I've seen.
6: I'm for the working class. That's a we all know 18 not
0: And as I recall, Governor Brown won that one, didn't he? And that felt good. But Uh, A lot of us who had gotten somewhat used to losing campaigns that were good causes, but we often lost good causes.
16: The AFL and the CIO unions began to feel a lot more comfortable working together because we were were all pushed together in this fight.
12: Two weeks after the election, the California CIO and AFL end their 20-year rivalry and merge. Then comes the final push.
0: We intensified our campaigns to let our legislators know what our sentiments were, what the governor had promised, that the time is now right. And in that way, we gave them strength and courage, I believe, to act upon what now was a clear
12: and present need leaders of the new state afl cio are on hand when governor pat brown signs the fair employment practices act in april nineteen fifty nine
20: the law essentially said discrimination because of race religion national origin sex, was illegal and that the it set up a commission the fair employment practices commission to receive complaints of discrimination to investigate them and to levy penalties
22: it was a fresh breath of air to know that now you could get a job anyplace. It was really a dramatic, dramatic change in um, the way the doors were opened for everyone.
20: The major source of funds was from the labor movement. Uh, this is uh, something which people really need to Understand because the bill, the fair employment practice, the law applied to the labor movement. They were not escaping the impact of the law.
14: Before the FEP's, FEP, uh, which came in in 1958 59, we had separate and segregated musicians' unions. Not only were we separated from a standpoint of the membership, but also the uh, employment was segregated. Then after the FEP, our musicians union, we merged. We became one. Uh, And uh, then after the merger, then the employment started to open up. We had to support Pat
16: Brown as strongly as possible in order to beat Bill Noland and the right to work law. And that meant that Unions and, and individuals who may not have wanted to embrace the issue of FEPc found themselves fighting on the same side and brought people with common interests together to do a job that resulted in us being able to clean their clock.
8: All right, let's <coughs> leave it right there. We're listening to the, uh, film "Golden Land's Working Hands: History of the California Labor Movement" by, among other people, Fred. And the CFT labor in the school. It's about time for us to get out of here and leave you. Black plastic, Scott Walker, and his collection of music from all different parts of the world and artistic community. Okay. So, again, wish you a happy Labor Day. Good work and good luck for this week. Monday, if you're working, remember it's Labor Day. Maybe you uh, shouldn't have to work. This if you're not working, you have the day off, thank the labor movement. It's only a... It's only, uh, Something we have to realize that our work is not done. Work is not done until everybody gets labor. Now we turn to Japanese classical guitarist Kari Miraji. This is his labor and love and the B. Remember, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, a dollar they didn't get. And you don't have a seat at the table, negotiating table, that is, where you work. You're on the menu. You never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. From Love Radio where the labor meets the road. And when I say labor, mm-hmm. I mean us. Goodbye and good work, Tell me
15: MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy the small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I'd bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit McRat.
23: Namaste, every Monday at 6 p.m. it's Joke Workshop streaming live on MutinyRadio.fm. Lift the veil from your third eye on joke creation and what it takes to in the five shakasanas of San Francisco's comedy scene. This all-ages open mic invites comedy. Oh, pre-sign by Venmoing 2 to $5 dollars at Mutiny Radio. Join us live for a small and special audience at the Mutiny Radio Studio and Gallery Performance Space, 2781 21st Street at Florida Street in the deep, deep, deep mission. Every Monday at 6 p.m. Does my ponytail look cool? Thank you. Namaste.
1: Tuesday used to be the most
23: unlikely night for fun.
17: But every week at 6 p.m., come to OMG's Tuesday Open Mic. And see comics work out new material for free. For free. they Get your Tuesday night party on with two-for-one well drink specials during the 6 to 8 p.m. show. Check out Eventbrite to reserve your
1: free seat every Tuesday 6 p.m.
17: At OMG on
23: Savory 6th Street.
1: Savory 6th Street. Show up to go
23: up. Hey, kids, it's your pal, Spider-Man. <laughs> Sorry, Spiderman, man Spiderman. spider When I'm not swinging through the senior facility, best in Mysterio at Boggle, or getting beautifully plowed by the rhino, I'm headed down to Mutiny Radio at the corner of 21st and Florida. They got some shle doing the laugh-laugh. But hey, don't be a schmuck and donate 2 to $5 on... Hold, hold on, what is this? Let me get my glasses. The print's too small. Benbo? That's not real. What is that, Swedish? You knew that, right? This is in San Francisco. I'll drown it on. Hold, it's nap time.
19: Weekly comedy at the best neighborhood bar in the city.
1: the
22: is when the comedy is the cheapest happy hour
23: the most free two hours hour long comedy on the radio and internet
10: streaming live at <laughs> street come down be in the audience
4: dog friendly dog
10: fr- we are mutiny radio is absolutely dog friendly Ooh, a dog party ain't no party like a dog party. <laughs> dog party at mutiny radio
4: Every Friday, dog party <laughs> at Mutiny Radio. Happy
7: 7, hour. Two seven eight one twenty first Street. Happy hour. Mutiny Radio.
10: FM. Here in Dot SF.
1: Calling all crusty's punks and poses. Pick your posteriors up off the pavement. Pack up your pins and patches and prepare to party. The Pacific Northwest Vest Fest returns this Saturday only at the SeaTac Expo Center. you don't need to ditch the sleeves but save the rest for the Pacific Northwest Fest, Fest this Saturday only at SeaTac. Bring a can of PBR at price.
23: Daddy, Daddy, what are we gonna do today?
19: At 2 p.m. on a Saturday afternoon.
23: Oh, over there at the parklet in front of Atlas Cafe for titans tons of comedy.
19: That, that's Titans of comedy. Apparently they've got great sandwiches
23: even in a drizzle, but not too much. Hey, Daddy, remember after soccer practice when it was raining and you didn't come?
19: I really don't. Anywho.
23: take it with the freezers, Reservations.
19: Reservations on Eventbrite. Fucking.
23: L.S.D. Fap. Acid and fapping.
9: Fapping and acid. Acid fapping. Fapping and acid. fap, 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 fap. Acid. Thank you. That song is called Acid and Fapping.
1: and listen, on the go, San Francisco, Mutiny Radio, San
3: Francisco. I was well, really just cool. leaving the
20: theater. But I the Cadillac Convertible. 1969 gold Cadillac with a white material I drove it up here,
3: And I started to do some
20: thinking. around dinner on the
14: freeway and having i having a really, really good
6: time. Flat black
4: like s- big and cruising so too. I am I'm a total and right.
14: I am <laughs> big, an
1: adolescent. And I will cut the room.
6: Henry!
5: Yeah. Charlie here. Yeah. I have a report here, Henry, from your uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I-, I find pretty hard to believe. Uh, the dude minds, man.
1: Captain Curls, up in the head. Mutiny Radio Festival, ahoy.
4: Ah, very good. Ah, very good legless, Joe. I'm surprised you can see from the crow's nest with no legs. It's to get ready! Crew, the festival is upon us! L- scurvy Steve, how many comics?
6: Over a hundred comics.
4: You're looking good, Scurvy Steve. Glad the scurvy hasn't taken you.
6: Aye, aye, Captain.
4: You, No Liver Mary, how many venues? We've got nine venues, sir! And you, boy, what's your name? Very good. And finally, Eleven Fingers
6: Sally. What about the tickets? You can find all of your tickets on Eventbrite, sir. Check out www.mutinyradio.fm. Arr,
4: what is that? I don't know what a website is. I'm a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> but but s- quick to the...
13: Fa-